johnsyndicate.com. Call 1-888-201-4201. That's 1-888-201-4201. Direct from the Vegas Strip. Are you looking to access the most powerful betting syndicate information directly from the Vegas Wise Guys? The same games that players walk into the casinos and move 5, 10, 20 dimes a game on week in and week out. Learn the secrets of the most powerful betting sources directly from our office to your ears. All you have to do to walk with that air of confidence is pick up the phone and don't stall. Make the call. Call 1-888-201-4201. That's 1-888-201-4201. Call now. Call free for your access password at johnsyndicate.com. That's www.johnsyndicate.com. Call now. Call free. We are back with another edition of Sports Insider Radio. It is not the last day of February. It is leap year. We got a leap year going. We got 366 days in this year. Did you know that, Troy? There's 366 days in this year. That means you, you learn something extra day. You learn something new every day. You have one extra day to wager. Well, that's good for a lot of people. Uh, Costi is not available today as he phoned me from the side of the road in his nice, expensive, luxury automobile that still is not infallible. He got a flat tire. He's on the side of the road waiting for AAA because that's, you know, he's too fancy. He can't change the tire himself. You know what I mean? So uh, I, 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 did, I reached out to my man last minute. Thank you for doing me this solid. And I wanted to have a different format on the show since it's me and you here and you know, you're a friend and you're a professional sports better and you are not uh, part of my information network in terms of selling the plays. So I wanted to give, we've talked about this off air and you can share as I wanted to kind of do where we can kind of interview each other. Like we could talk about games, we could break down games and it'd just be the same old, same old that everybody does in this industry, which is live in the world of short-term gratification, which I don't care about, and braggadocia, talking about streaks. And, you know, there's enough of those guys out there. I don't have to name them. Uh, I don't have to flash my, you know, my bling in front of my mansion and my Ferrari and all that. Not, it's just not my world, right? So you and me, we reside in a very unique world of high-end, extremely high-end FU money clients that, you know, are wearing sweat socks sweat socks and uh, sweatpants and walking into the casino and flip-flops and it's the opposite of the stuff that's portrayed in the media you deal with a very small inner circle of you know you're getting on jets and going here and getting on jets and going there that's kind of the world that you deal with and you don't sell your information to the general public and to be honest with you i wouldn't either if i was you because why would you want to deal with the guy crying about his 50 dollars bet so I want to ask you, since we've known each other for almost 30 years now, yeah. if you want to, let me interview you. How does one from central Ohio become a professional sports better? How did you become a professional sports better? Give me the story. Yeah, it was uh, all by accident. I, uh, I had the... Good fortune of having a, a very smart father, and uh, basically he had written a document about uh, statistics in the uh, early 70s, and basically, uh, fast forward to 96, I was uh, an executor of, of my mom's uh, estate, and in doing so, my, my uh Father and I, he passed away at a very early age at, at the age of 40 uh, in 1972. But um, I was able to, we were able to find this document and in 96, kind of went through it uh, with a fine tooth comb and, and uh, kind of broke it down and, and nothing in well, there. Let, let, it, let, it, me, let, me, let me back, let's back up. I'm pressing you because we got the time for it today. 
Yeah. Prior to being the executive and prior to finding the document, were you living in the world that I was living in? Meaning, were you a 15-year-old sports better? Were you a fan of betting? Were you following the lines? Or were you completely not even involved? Like, what was your life prior to, uh, you know, going through the, uh, the, the estate and finding this stuff? Like, were you already a gambler? No. No, I had never gambled uh, uh, on anything. Uh, so and I was, if you don't mind, I had no around, idea. you and you, you and I are about the same age. So what, yeah. so how old were you at this time when you found the, uh, uh so what, 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 yeah, I was in my late twenties. And then, so what uh, was your, that late 20 life prior to gambling? Like, what were you doing? Like, what were you, yeah, I was playing hockey. Uh, so I was Got playing, it. I was bumping around playing minor league hockey and, um, so yeah, that was that was kind of my my whole uh, life at that time. And uh, then you know the off season, I would run hockey clinics and you know coach youth uh, kids throughout the United States. Uh, you know, different talk, talk about of, talk about talking about uh, kids following in their father's footsteps that you just described your son. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I was fortunate. Well, you know, he. Yeah. He, uh, we did the same thing when he was little. We just, we, we moved, you know, to different, as you know, different cities for him to play and participate, uh, in better organizations. But yeah, to answer your question, I never, I, I, I didn't know anything about sports wagering when, when we got, so how do you, how do you make this transition? Anybody can find anything when they're going through paperwork. So where does the aha light bulb moment go off? Like, whoa, what is this? Yeah. Well, it, it's also good to have a pretty smart, partner. So, uh, my wife at the time was, had, um, uh, extensive knowledge in, in, um, in the banking world at that time. So basically she kind of connected the dots and honestly, you know, that's kind of how it really truly all started. She was the brains behind this getting started. And then initially, uh, just, you know, uh, her looking and analyzing at what the information was, uh, uh, in this document, it was, you know, like 40 pages of, um, you know, analyzing the difference between the stock market and, uh, if, if, uh, back then, if, uh, sports gambling could be like the stock market, um, the comparisons. So that's kind of how it all started. So how did you not wind up taking this document and going into the sport stock market versus sports betting? Um, it was kind of interesting because in the, in the document itself, there, you know, was probably a couple paragraphs in there stating this, that, you know, the market, um, and again, this is, think about it, early, early seven, late seven, sixties, uh, early seventies is what my dad was involved in. But, um, in the document, it said it was just too volatile. There was too many variables in the market that, uh, there wasn't as much consistency and uh the comparison was well in sports these statistics are kind of finite you know um uh, a, a team that's in first place you know um has this amount of stats and these are the players and this is their stats and there's no real outside variables you know um the economy's not going to change the way um a player plays or things like that or you know back then i don't know how much you know sports were corrupted but there was no influence right um the numbers were what they were and when two teams played each other if you just took the the data uh it, it would be clear to see in the market it's not always as you know because you're in it it's not always that clear so right. yeah so that was basically what the uh the article that that little blog of the, these notes kind of stated. So from the time that you get the paperwork to the yeah. time that you actually say, oh, let me try to do this, not at being a sports better to begin with. Yeah. What, how many years pass in between that? It, it, was, it was actually almost four. We started in 97. Uh, and, uh, I'm saying before you actually made your first bet. Yeah. Find the, uh, the first, yeah. 97 was our first wager. 1997. 
And so what uh, I'm asking is, we had a little bit. You found the document from the time you found the document to when you actually made your first wager. So you got everything set up. Yeah, one year. How long did that? One year. So, okay. So we found it like in ninety, early ninety six, and then started in ninety seven. But uh, yeah, that first year we started with fifteen fifteen thousand dollars of our money, and. Uh, not knowing the which lingo back then or, was a lot, which back then was a lot more money than it fifteen thousand is today. Obviously, well, that, that's honestly, like, that was that's, that was about that was about sixty five percent of our savings at the time, and uh, got it. So we were like, hey, let's just do it, and it went smooth for that first year. Uh, we learned a lot, but the second year, again, the lingo uh, and the and the. The betting world or the, you know, sports gambling world we weren't familiar with, we lost everything. So in 98, oh. basically our principal and everything we had won the year prior, we lost everything because we just, it was like, uh, it was like a battle. We didn't, we didn't know what a, a run line was. We didn't know, you know, the money line we figured out, but the document didn't state anything about the individual wagers. It didn't say do this, do that, make this wager. It was just take these statistics and match them up to their opponent, right? And so we had a we had a big learning curve, but we came back. Uh, we saw what we did wrong. And so then, let me let me let me uh, let me get back to. It. I want to because I'm trying to create a, a visual story for the for the for the listener. Something different we normally don't do. So. That first wager that you made, you're still in Central Ohio, I'm assuming. You've yep. never bet yep. before. You don't have relationships with local bookies. So how does that even go down? You're like a nobody square, and you want to make a bet, and obviously you're not in Vegas yet. How yep. do you even find that local bookie? How do you even know where to go? Like, what? Give me that story. Yeah, we, you know, I told a couple of uh, friends of mine. Um, uh, that, you know, were guys that I grew up with and played, uh, sports with. And, uh, ironically, one of them played, um, baseball, uh, as a youth with, uh, Pete Rose Jr. And, uh, basically, um, my buddy Scott, was like, oh man, you know, um, just there's a guy here. Here's his number. Uh, you know, we, you know, all, his group of friends uh, all used them, and you know, uh, it was a guy in Norwood, Ohio. Since you know, is right outside of Cincinnati, Ohio. But old time bookie, you know, everything that you kind of see in the movies. You know, he had a uh, a deli in in Norwood, like a drive through uh, where you could right. buy beer and everything. So started betting through him and uh you know small wagers you know i think it was like two three four hundred dollars five hundred was the big ones for us at the time uh but um yeah local bookie and then as we learned more advanced to uh a company that i know you're very familiar with uh an offshore company called bowman international and they were over overseas in europe and uh that kind of became one of our go-tos, uh, and that was um, in late 99, early 2000. So yeah, because you were already that, an athlete, because you were already an athlete yourself, I guess, yeah. was gambling culture prevalent amongst the athletes? You know, these are minor league athletes, not pro yeah, athletes. Yeah. That you're, but it was like, were like most of these guys just degenerate monkeys, you know, they just were. betting on it? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And you I mean, and prior it, to finding this document, you were never part of that. You just didn't have any interest. No, I mean, as far as like the mainstream gambling and stuff like that, I'd make bets on the Super Bowl or you know World Series, or you know we have a long bus trip from you know Knoxville, Tennessee to Dayton, you know, and we're playing poker. You know, that was my thing. I played poker on the bus or whatever when we were traveling. But yeah, guys would make side bets with each other. You know, not through a bookie, but like, hey, let's bet a hundred. I'll bet you a hundred dollars. You know. Uh, the Cincinnati Reds are going to lose tonight. Okay, you know stuff like that, but nothing mainstream. Uh, we kind of learned as as you know as time um, uh, rattled on as far as there why we were in Ohio. Uh, but and did you ever have, slowly, how did you define your how did you define your money management right out of the gate where you didn't blow up 
you know, like, and be able to handle losing, or is that something you also had to learn? Uh, no, that was part of the model. So that, that was part of the statistical data that he had written. Um, and again, it was a comparison to the market, the stock market. And, and, you know, if you had a a model that, um, you had a winning, uh, success rate of 60% in the market here, you know, this is, this is what you would do financially. You would risk, you know, half a percent or 1%. But as time went on, we dialed it in and, and kind of transformed it. Um, accordingly, based on sports and sports wagering, so mm-hmm. that was something uh, we had a foot. We kind of had a, a head start, our foot in the door, but we advanced it as time went on, and we really yeah. honed it in by 2005. Okay, so let's go to 2005. So 2005 was when my son was born, so he just turned 19, and that was also the year that you and I met. Um, yes, so. You, we met because I was running an ad for my sports information service in a magazine. Yep. And it was, and I was the sole guy in that magazine, a high end publication. We're not going to even name it on the air dealing with, you know, high end clientele, which is the world that I've always traveled in. And then all of a sudden this, I look one issue and there's another ad. So let's talk about that because you tried it in the beginning. You went in, you formed a company to sell this system in addition to betting on your own. How did you decide, because you didn't know me at the point at that time, and you decided to, I'm going to run an ad and of all places in this magazine. And what made you decide? Was that the wife pushing you? Was that like, because the, obviously the information market was completely different back then. And then I called your number and I was like, dude, who are you? And you're like, and I'm like, where are you located? And you, and at that mo- time, I, the irony was, you said I'm in Baltimore, Maryland, and I go, oh, I'm in Baltimore, Maryland, and we met and had a drink, and the rest is history. But give me the before we met. How did you even de- decide to, you know, be in the same magazine, start a business, knowing nothing about selling information uh, from your system? How did that all go down? And I know that you left that very quickly thereafter, but. I'm interested yeah. to hear the story for the listeners. Yeah, it was uh, actually one of my, again, one of my buddies uh, that I grew up with. He um, was like, man, what are you guys doing? Like, you, you know, uh, you're not, you're not coaching as much anymore. You know, you're not doing uh, private lessons. You're not running hockey camps. And, uh, you know, I, I explained, I'm like, Hey, we're kind of diving into this. Like we put our money, aside and we've been doing this and so neil uh is his name and uh he basically said man um i want to invest i mean like you're doing it here let me give you you know 10 grand just duplicate what you're doing uh for yourself you know for your family's money and i'm like all right and then he's like you know what you should be doing you should go online and sell this stuff so Neil was the one that kind of prompted us to think about that. And then at the time, my wife was like, all right, well, I'll grab a hold of this project. And in, you know, less than eight months, we had a website up. And, you know, uh, back in the day, again, we, we hired people to do this because, you know, we had never had an online business, let alone a private business. But uh, we, we hired a marketing company, and they're the ones that said uh, advertising that same magazine with you and then we used pay per clicks uh, to drum up business. And in a two year span between 2005 and 2007, we got like 200 clients, uh, actually 183 clients. And I think our monthly fee was like $59. And so let's back up. So let's back up for the listeners. So, how does this guy from Central Ohio that finds the system? Uh, get a call from a guy who's been doing this in Baltimore, Maryland. Why are you in my state at that point? So why are you even here? I I was there uh, coaching. Uh, They, I had an opportunity through again, an ex teammate. uh, And we were there just for that quality, that time uh, for me to establish the hockey school and coach, uh, and get things kind of running. And, uh, yeah, it was just freak, kind freak, of a freak luck. real fluke. Yeah. 
Yeah, and like you said, we've you know we've been friends and talked a number of times so now, throughout the week. Uh, so now, so now you know you 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 don't know anything about this business. You come into my office, three thousand square foot trading floor. You know, nineteen years ago, you're like, what is going on here? Because yeah. you see a completely different side where I'm where I'm not selling anything online. I'm old school, picking up the phone, talking to every single person. Everything's personal touch one-on-one, you know, this is not everybody's got an iPhone. Obviously iPhone didn't even exist back then. Not everybody has a cell phone. So you see the other side of it, obviously, instead of that motivating you to get deeper into my business, you got out of my business and went back to private. So what, tell me, I'm just curious, walk me through that. How does a guy, because you were basically walking into a Fortune 500 company of sports information, you're seeing it run on a huge level. And then you say, well, instead of like doing something with you, I don't want to do this. And then you completely exit and go private. So give me that, give me that breakdown. Well, you know, it wasn't, we, we a hundred percent got out of the business for sure. And again, it was successful. We had 183 people, uh, by 2007, and I think what we invested in the company uh, was, let's say, with the website development and all that, it was like less than probably $50,000, right? But we had a really unfortunate situation with our programmer at the time. You know, we, again, my wife and I didn't know anything about website or development or back-end or merchants accounts or any of that. We just set up an LLC and uh, started going, right, and trusted this gentleman wholeheartedly. You know, he was on our bank statement. Uh, you know, he was on our bank account for the merchant's account. You know, so when transactions would happen, they would go into the bank. We'd get a notification. I, th- I think the phone of choice back then was the Palm Pilot. That was the iPhone of the day, right? So we'd get notifications, oh, you know, a new subscriber from, you know, the U.K. or whatever, what happened was we found out for every, let's say, three clients we were getting, uh, this guy was nabbing a couple of them, right? He has side merchants account, and it, it got really rough. Like, it was really disheartening to know that somebody that we kind of helped and we put in business and we trusted, he was stealing from us, right? And meantime, we're still privately betting our money. Our principal was growing at the time. Um, and, you know, that was our main focus. Even back then, you know, to, we were managing at a, a decent amount of money. You know, it was anywhere from three to $500,000. And we were making money off, you know, wagers off this and, and making money for our family as our main income. So we just decided, you know, hey, that was a lesson learned. Uh, but we got out of it. And I mean, you and I joke about it. Uh, I, I, that was a, that was a misstep because again, if I would have been able to keep on the path that we were, I mean, we were profitable. Those two years, our ROI was like 29% for those years back to back, you know, for two years, we made that type of return. So we were successful, but if we were, you know, able to keep that, uh, things financially, man, the sky's the limit. Like we would have, we would so have had, how did you, our, how did you, well, so, so tell me, how did you get into the upper Uber, you know, high end, like me on a small yeah. private level? How did you wind up getting into that? Like, you know, upper Uber CEO of a fortune 500, you know, flying you in on a Learjet, yeah. paying you, you know, six figures, you know, yeah. quarter a million, That's, half a million, a million. How's that happen? That that was you know kind of luck as well. Uh, one of uh, an acquaintance of mine uh, told me about uh, a gentleman that was interested in speaking to me, and uh, he had mentioned my name, kind of what we were doing, and uh, his son was actually playing hockey at the time, and uh, this this. This person set up a meeting and flew me in uh, to um, to Las Vegas, and you know we spent you know a whole day talking, and then I left the next morning. I uh, flew back out, 
And that was kind of the beginning of where we've been uh, since that moment. And uh, basically, he said, you know, uh, it sounds like you got a really interesting product. And he was heavily into the stock market. And uh, he basically said, here you go. Here's X amount of dollars. And uh, I have a number of friends that want to do this, but let's let's go down this road one year. And if the one year goes half as good as what I've heard and, you know, I've seen from uh, our mutual contact as far as his returns, he goes, you, you don't have to worry about being financed ever again. And so, so I think part of your frustration with the pick business was nobody cares about long-term. They only care about what have you done for me lately, short-term. And that is the personal experience. You know, now me being in my late 50s, that was at an early age something that was really hard for us to swallow. You know, both my wife and I were like, God, you know, we're doing this with our own money, 100%. Like, I'm not out, you know, working uh, another job anymore. And, and she was, you know, a stay-at-home mom. And, and But our sole income was, uh, was 100% in sports gambling. Uh, and we, you know, we, we've lost a couple friends from, from it because either they either lost control when we didn't have selections and bet on their own, or, um, huh. there would be, push, to my world. be pushback. Yeah. There'd be pushback like, oh yeah, you know, uh, we haven't had games in about, you know, five months or whatever, you know, that's an exaggeration, but you know, the people that, were kind of disappointing and didn't get the big picture back then for us there you you live with it every day and it is a marathon you know costi always talks about it he's really good about emphasizing that it's you know the, the analogy my son gave uh one of our clients that you know had some questions and was kind of aggressive he goes picture this you're, it's a, a Friday afternoon uh, in New York City at 1 p.m., and you got to go 10 blocks. How many lights are you going to – how many red lights are you going to hit? You, you're going to hit a few statistically, right? It's, you're not going to hit 10 blocks in New York City at rush hour uh, and, and make all green lights. It just doesn't happen. So – you know, the, the, the red lights or the losses in sports gambling, uh, people can't stomach it. They, they just can't. That's why there's a select few people and it's the one percenters, uh, in, in sports gambling. And they're the ones that can tolerate it, understand it, and just keep moving forward because it is a marathon. So we just realized that we didn't want to kind of deal in that world of, people's frustrations or people having a hard time getting through the losses. So we just said, we got to narrow this down to a select few and a dollar amount uh, as far as our principle uh, as a whole. And, and that's where we started and that's where we're at today. What did you think when I, uh, you know, would tell you like, you're going to lose clients even though you win. And you were like, I don't know. What do you mean? We outperform the stock market. Yeah. What are you talking about? And then how long, yeah. how many years did it take for you to have that breakthrough of why you keep losing clients? And these aren't guys that are buying picks from you. These are guys that are giving you a quarter million, half a million, million. And then they're like, then they blow themselves up. They're not mad at you. They're mad at themselves. Like, yeah. what it, why, there was well, a lot it, of resistance we, to you. Because I, what I am is I'm not a handicapper. I'm not a prognosticator. I don't like sports nor care about sports. But what I am, and I can really claim I am, just from the tenure of doing this, I would say I'm a master psychologist when it comes to the mind of a better versus the mind of a, an investor. And like I told you, 99% of these guys don't really care about winning. They want confirmation of their own bad opinion. And it insults a lot of people to listen to these shows. But, you know, just to give you an example, I have one group that's up 80% in the last nine days. Meaning if you start over the $100,000, you're up $80,000 in the last. I have literally have clients that will text me and go, well, three weeks ago, he had a losing week. So I stopped playing his games and now you're winning. The guy's watching an 80% return and he's just standing there like a deer in headlights, not taking in the information. So like I have a very negative 
the reason why I believe the hedge fund industry and the managed money industry in, this, in the stock market is so effective is because it takes the power away from the degenerate trader or gambler. And so when you yeah. put your money in a hedge fund or you put your money in a mutual fund, you're paying someone else to do the work so you can't make the mistakes, right? So right. the problem with the sports betting market is that's not the case. You're never taking the money. You're getting paid. You're giving yeah. out the advice. And then the guy gets drunk at 2 in the morning and he blows 29 parlays on his own. So I've always been... I love my clients because they're the cream of the crop, but man, there's a lot of goofy guys out there that just, I don't believe are wagering for the sake of money at all. It's all about dopamine action. It's addiction to the, the anxiety and the stress. You know, I go to bed, I wake up, I check the scores. I don't even look, but I notice in the beginning of, you know, just being your friend, you didn't believe me until you actually saw it in real time where a guy would pay you a half a million and then blow his money as you're winning. Yeah, I, I didn't. And, I mean, when did the light bulb go off? It was probably, for me and you, it, it's, um, I don't know, five years ago, uh, six years ago. Because, again, I just I wasn't in that world uh, to see it. But, you know, we've had personal clients. Like I said, uh, one other show that you and I – we're on together and you know we i've probably lost uh you know in the 18 years that we've been doing it privately probably lost 20 30 clients easily easily and it was like you said either they blow themselves up or um you know when there was a losing streak you know oh you you know the lines you're taking are minus you know one minus 190 a, a monkey can pick them right but um so it's um it was just easier, and now we only have in our, in our you know group uh, we only have two people uh, that um, and they both live in Las Vegas, so um, it's one hundred percent legal. You know our company's registered and everything, but we don't manage anybody's money anymore. So what we've done with the clients that we've had for years is they get the information from us in an email format. And now, you know, because gambling's so prevalent, they manage their own funds. And, uh, you know, it, it, we take a, we take a, a chance that they're going to blow themselves up and we might lose them. But, um, for the most part, we've maintained, uh, the majority of our clients. But you, you are right. You were 100% right. Um, people just, they, they lose the mentality of what, what have we done for the last six months? versus this past weekend you went 0 and 5 right and even with the 0 and 5 they're still up a ton of money on on their investment right but they just don't think logically so it's you know it's a tough world and you know trust me every day i wake up and i'm like man i wish we still had that business online cuz uh <laughs> we would have uh done very well uh, with, with having it start so early. I think when we started it, um, uh, party poker had just come online, you know, and that went bananas, right? That's poker. But I mean, uh, we would have, we would have had a really nice business and, uh, a company that we kind of probably exited strategy out of already. And, and what do you think, watching the uh, inner workings of the world that I live in, what's your perspective? you think it's insane? I, I think it's, uh, one, fascinating. Uh, two, it's, um, you know, the the folks that you are in partners with and and uh, do business with, you know, pick dogs and guys like that. Well, like, just to David give you an Miller. example why I'm talking to you, I just made one, two, three, four, five, Six spring training wagers, something you would never do. Where I got yeah. tickets that are literally giving me spring training. Yeah, no, it's. I mean, the the folks that you uh, are partners with and and have been doing business with for a long time. It's uh, it's a great. I mean, it's a neat world. You know, you you have a lot of great connections with people that do this full time, like. You know, the analogy you always say, it's not like a doctor that's driving uh, to a surgery this morning 
to do open heart surgery and listen to you on the radio or any, you know, pick dogs, uh, podcasts or YouTube, you know, he's not a professional at sports wagering. You are, you're, you're a professional because you have the people and the resources to give you all the information to be able to have, uh, an advantage, long-term advantage and make money in this business. But the average gambler, they, uh, they will lose. I mean, I, I, you know, they will lose. Over the course of time, five years, the average gambler, uh, 95% of them are going to lose everything. Whatever they started with, they're going to lose. And, you know, to have a business like what you guys have to provide those syndicates and those groups out there doing this full time. Well, so like to give you an example, you know, this is a great show because it gives you the idea of like the world that I live in. So obviously, you know, I have different Telegram products that we offer to clients and then I have my private clients that I text individually additional games that can handle the volume. And, you know, just to give you an example, right now while I'm talking to you, this is just in my world, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. 19, 20, 21 basketball games have already been played by these syndicates. In the MLB, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. That's 21 and 7. That's 28. 1, 2, 3, 4, 4 golf matches. 1 tennis match. And then 4 more in college basketball. Like this, is, I'm getting these updates while we're talking, right? Mm-hmm. I don't even... Yeah. I just got another guy. He just sent me while I'm talking to his plays. He has uh, three more NBA games. So what happens is I'm putting this puzzle together on a daily basis. And this is where a lot of clients, like I said, they don't get it. They don't understand yeah. what's entailed. They don't, um, they just don't get it. And they don't, they think it's about picking games and who do you like? And, and, uh, the biggest thing that I, I did a video today on, uh, pick dogs, YouTube channel, which was, the difference between um, how legalized wagering has brought in more of, of a trading mindset and clientele. So the client that never had a local bookmaker, the client that mm. never had an offshore account, he gets it. His trading account is his, see what I said, his trading account. His sports book is nothing more than a trading account. He doesn't live in the world of credit. So he, I want to have, I want to wager with $100,000. I'm going to put a hundred thousand dollars into my trading account and, and which is the sports book account. And then he's going to play off that money. He doesn't owe any, there's no, there's none of that Sunday anxiety of owing the man and uh, trying to get even and Sunday night bailout, you know, all the nonsense. Right. So, right. The, but, but the problem is there's, when I say problem, it's not a problem, but the, the point is there's a lot of credit betters still, right. That people thought right. that, the legalized sports betting industry would have put the credit bookmakers out of it. Absolutely not. No way. They're never going anywhere because guys that guys like to play on credit without putting up money. And the syndicates use and abuse those books around the country to, to their advantage to get that leverage. But the problem is when you have a guy call you and he says, I have a 20 dime line or I have a 10 dime line. I say, what did you, what is your bankroll? 10 dimes a week. No, that's not your bankroll. That's your credit line. How much can you afford to lose before you cry uncle? Oh, if I lost seven grand. Okay, so this guy can't even lose his credit line or he's out of business. So, you know, my job is constantly selling potential clients not to join because in their mind they think because they have this interest-free credit line that they can afford to actually play all these games, but if they blow that line out to the max and they got a 20-dime line and they lose 20 dimes in a week, they're freaking out. Where do they come up with the money? It's dangerous. I, I, you know, I love, you know, it's not a job for, for us, for our family, right, my son and I. It's, we enjoy it, uh, but we're not like you. I'm not engulfed in it. I'm not on the side of the business on in-game betting. My son is now, right? He's, he's advanced that ball, but I, I've never been involved in that. Um, they, it wasn't prominent back when you and I met. Uh, so, you know, I don't, 
again, I don't watch the games unless I'm going to, you know, a Super Bowl party that I've been invited to and it's there. I'll, I'll hang out, watch it. Uh, or if I'm with, you know, a friend and we're at a restaurant, he's, you know, all wrapped up into the game. I'll, you know, I'll joke around with him. But for me, I don't like watching it. I don't even like watching hockey anymore, you know, and I can get free tickets to go to the Knights all the time. So it's, um, it's strictly business for me. And really, honestly, um, there are stresses, uh, when you're having a bad month or a, a train of bad months, you know, last, last year we had three straight losing months. And no, it's not in the sense of the gambling part of it, but it's like, damn, you know, we should be winning these games. I mean, we're getting beat, you know, half court three pointers and, you know, guys, you know, two outs in the bottom of the ninth and we, we got a two run lead and we lose by, you know, a run. You know, those, those are the frustrations that we get that all the gamblers get. But the difference is that doesn't slow our progress down. We, continue to do the same repetition of how the games are wagered, how much is wagered, and, you know, the volume of games depends on if the algorithm picks it or not. But the gambler, the average guy, he you see it. You go into Vegas, you see a guy sit down at a blackjack table with $500, and he'll bet and bet and bet. Let's say the limit's 25 bucks, and he's betting 25 loses. He loses like six in a row, Right. What's he say on bet number seven? The hell with it. I'm all in. Why would you do that? Exactly. You know what I mean? And that's what sports gamblers do. You know, they just, in their mind, there's a breaking point or they tell themselves, oh, well, I can't lose on, no way I'm going to lose the seventh hand. Well, yeah, that's how they, honestly, that's why Vegas is in business. It really is. I mean, I hate saying that. It's a cliche that everybody uh, says, but it's true. They wouldn't be in business if there were winners. Right now. And so DraftKings, FanDuel, they love, they love this expansion because they're just, they're killing people. You know, they're killing people. Are they killing uh, people or are people killing themselves? Well, that's true. That that I take that back. I mean, they I believe in themselves. I believe in, you know, freedom to, to make your, this is why, I have no empathy for clients that get upset when they lose. And look, let's be called spade a spade. I've, you know, I've been called a, a prick many a time. You know, it's like, yeah, okay, okay. Well, yep, you're right. I'll be a prick. You're right. I, you know, the players kill themselves. They really do, and they blow themselves up. And again, I've been fortunate enough again to had uh, a friend who's a financial advisor. I couldn't. I couldn't manage an ant farm when it, it came to, and let alone my, my own money and life savings and things like that. So I have a financial advisor. He tells me what to do. And, you know, I'd be foolish to take, you know, uh, everything that I've worked so hard for all these years. And, oh, well, I'm going to get in the stock market. I can, you know, uh, YouTube some stuff and figure out how to, you know, teach myself how to stock trade. No, I'm, that would be foolish. But, you know, people have that mentality that it's a 50-50, right? You open up the sports page and read the column, and there's two teams playing, and you just pick one side or the other, and you have a 50% chance. Yeah, that's true. But what do you do when you start losing? And that's the reality is they double and triple up, and then they're broke. And right. if they would just take advice from you guys or people in the industry that are professionals that do this, you know, eight, 10, 10 hours a day, seven days a week, like you do for 30 plus years. Well, that's who I'm going with rather than my own personal opinion on a game. Cause I played high school football or basketball. I'm a, you know, no, you don't know what you're doing. Well, I always tell everybody the, um, the worst gamblers, that I've ever met are ex-athletes. Um, oh, they are. They think that they think there's a correlative effect between um, them being athletes on the field. It's like, 
okay, I'm a road cyclist. Your son's a road cyclist. It doesn't mean I'm going to be able to bet on the Tour de France and pick winners. Like, what does one have? Right. One thing have? Right. Like, what is some? What does one have to do with the other? You know what I mean? It, right. It's it, it's, Zero. it's it's the it's it's the the this correlative. I mean, we have a lot of ex athletes that are clients. When I say ex, I don't mean I mean like retired for years. You know, and yeah. yeah. Don't tell me I watched that game. How could you pick this team? And how could you pick that team? And this isolation of confirmation of their own bias. And like I said, you know, it's so interesting that, you know, you got into this from more of a mathematical angle, um, you know, as opposed to being a fan. And because I started doing this when I was 15 and I was brought up in the ranks of seeing what pros do versus Joe's, you know, it is funny that everybody is the same. Dave Miller, you, me, Micah Smith, we, we're not fans. What do we all have in common? Probably none of us watch the games. And it doesn't mean we don't check them or have them on in the background, but we're not sitting there emotionally invested in the games. And it's funny, when you look at the, all that, you look at the opposite of people that, you know, again, and I'm not, everybody could spend their own time the way they want to spend their time, but I mean, I got a lot of stuff to do in my life. I'm a dad. I got kids. I got obligations. These guys can commit to like sitting in front of a TV from 12 noon Eastern Standard Time Saturday and watching every college basketball or football game till midnight. It just blows my blows my mind. I don't have the time. Sunday, yeah, you it's can sit not. there from one, 1 o'clock East till the last game starts at 7.30 and just blow your day. You know, I talk to clients all the time, and they go, yeah, you're right. My, my, I got a client the other day. He's 25. He's, yeah, my fiance, you know, she's really getting on her nerves. I'm always staring at my phone. I said, what are you staring at your phone for? You're going to change the outcome of the game? He goes, oh, it's really hard not to stare at the game. I said, why? Are you going to change the outcome of the game? It's like these little what I call life hacks make all the difference in the world to the difference between, I think that all of it is part of being successful. I think that if you don't have the life habits and the life skills to have a level head and not be emotional. And when I say not be emotional, that's binary. You don't get excited when you win. I've never seen you excited when you win and you don't get excited when you lose. You're like agnostic. You're the same, same thing with Dave Miller, same thing with Micah Smith, same thing with myself. Like I always say, you can't celebrate the wins and then not be miserable when you lose. If you're so high when you win, of course you're going to be miserable when you lose. But can you master yeah. not caring? Can you master actually not caring when you win? That's really hard. Yeah, it's you know something chemically, like you said, you know, it goes off in people, um, and maybe it's just I'm um, so. Uh, accustomed and used to this lifestyle of I've seen everything that you could imagine good and bad in sports wagering <laughs> from something you'd be like scratching your head saying, man, I can't believe that happened. I've seen it all. And um, so nothing really surprises me anymore. Uh, so uh, at the end of the day, it's uh it's the wild, wild west out there right now, you know, how, how sports gambling has advanced and how it's growing. And, but, uh, people need help. People need guidance. They need, uh, you know, people that do this for a living to give them the right path to go down or they're going to, they're going to really hurt themselves. What would you do different in the last? Since 1996, we'll call it 97, what would you do different beside, you know, you know, selling your games to a thousand subscribers a month on your own personal uh, betting? What would you, is there anything you do differently or are you just going to keep on rolling into the, uh, you know, into age 90 and just keep everything as it is? I keep trying to, you know, what would it take to get you to make your product available to, clients like mine because anything i say to you you're like nope not interested so i mean you think i'm ever going to be able to break you down yeah i mean there's there's always opportunity i just the thing that i just know personally for myself is just that 
the swings I, I can tolerate. It's kind of like I would never ask you, uh, a stranger, uh, my own son, my own family to do something I wouldn't do for myself, right? I just, the disappointment that people get, uh, it's hard for me to, 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 to challenge myself to understand it, you know, like, oh, they lost, we lost six games in a row and this guy's pissed off and he's screaming and he's hollering. You know, I just know that that person just, it's hard to talk, talk, really talk any sense into them and say, listen, I'm with you. I'm in this boat with you. It's not like you're by right. yourself. I'm doing it too, right? That's the only part that's hard for me. I mean, it's great uh, when I have 10 grand on a game. It's great when I have 10 grand on a game and I lose and I literally screenshot the ticket from my legal betting app and show the guy and he's yeah. calling me an MF and I'm thinking, you're, you're, you talk about. Now, again, for me, I'm being facetious because I'm like a reptile. Yeah. Like when I say yeah. I give two Fs, I give, I could. You can yell, you can scream, you can whine, you can cry. Literally, you got a better shot of hitting the lottery than getting a reaction out of me. It, I literally do not care. Every right. war story is the same. I jumped off the wagon when you were losing a few games. Now I've watched you win 30 games like a deer in the headlights, and I've partaked in none of it. So it's like, yeah. I, I come across as heartless. I love my clients. I'm not heartless. I just, I can't be a shrink to everybody in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and again, I don't know the difference between, you know, the guy that, uh, and, and you are right in your statement, you know, just cause you were an athlete, it doesn't matter. High school, peewee football, whatever pro, you know, that doesn't make you uh, a, a guy that is knowledgeable when it really comes into this industry. One has nothing to do with the other. Like, look at Wayne Gretzky, best hockey player in the world, worst hockey coach on the planet, failed miserably <laughs> in the era, right? I mean, he was a coach. Uh, I love it. He failed. Right. Like, and it wasn't because the guy didn't know the game. He just didn't, he couldn't. He couldn't make the transition or his players, whatever, but he failed. And, um, this business, you gotta, you gotta ride with the people that do it full time and pick their brains or pay for their information or pay for their guidance and their, their consultation. Uh, and, and that's a good head start, but, um, that's the only real reason I really why. Uh, I haven't thought about selling my products since we did that back in, you know, 2005 to seven. But I, I do lay awake a few nights saying, man, you know, look at, uh, Barstool. You know, that guy was sold his following to a group that really gets it, you know, and, uh, now that guy is, I don't know what he's worth. Like, you know, like $700 million, you know, um, right, right. but, you know, I, we, we kind of are in a lane right now where our client list is pretty stable and the, they're all kind of, they manage their own wagers, their dollar amount. And we have our own little portfolio for our family. And that's, you know, I'm not making millions, but, uh, I'm, I'm doing, we're doing okay. So well, I got to tell you, this uh, has been one, can you believe we've been talking for one hour? I hope a lot of people enjoyed the, this inner, this, we didn't talk about games. We didn't talk about picks. You can get all that at pickdogs.com. You could watch my videos at pickdogs.com. You can go there and get free analysis on every game. That's fine. But, you know, like I said, there is something, you know, interviewing a pro versus a Joe. Thank you again, Troy. We'll be back next week. Good day and good luck. Thank you.